because I was one of the few nurses who didn't get sick in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> and so, so I would get all the transfers to Townsville um, pretty early on, uh, which was interesting because, you know, we took some really unwell patients up there and certainly not something you'd do to a grad these, <laughs> these days. Yeah. Hello and welcome to a Nurse Out Wear podcast. My name is Danielle Causer and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their stories about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Out Where. Today we're lucky to have with us Associate Professor Pauline Kalija, who has an extensive and varied clinical and teaching background, but she counts her clinical specialty as emergency nursing and has worked as an emergency nurse in Australia and in North America, and as an educator in hospitals, universities, TAFEs in Australia and Vietnam. She's been a director of nursing at a rural health hub in central West Queensland, where she was responsible for a number of facilities, but provided direct clinical and facility management um, at Barcaldon. Pauline's also recently been a consultant nurse educator with Retrieval Services Queensland, providing education to nurses in the outback and remote areas across Queensland since 2017. Pauline's currently the Head of College for Nursing and Midwifery at CQ University in Cairns in Australia. Her teaching area of expertise is broad, including an undergraduate nursing program, postgraduate emergency and acute care nursing, clinical teaching, health assessment, physical examination and teaching and learning. Pauline's research expertise in mixed methods and qualitative design projects that encompass clinical intervention, practice improvement, teaching and learning in clinical environments and simulation settings. Pauline's main area of research focus is to improve rural and remote communities local access to high quality emergency and trauma care and improve the capacity of clinicians to support learning in their local environments. Welcome Pauline, it's great to have you here. Thanks Danielle. That's uh, certainly a lot of uh, a lot of academic education and training um, you've got to, to bring to to the episode. It's great. Well, thank you. It's um, I, I probably should have been a little bit uh, less wordy in my introduction. It doesn't <laughs> bode well for the podcast, does it? <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. I think it sums you up. Fantastic. So. <laughs> So as you know, the podcast is called A Nurse Out Where. So like, from your perspective, could you finish the sentence, you're a nurse out where? Oh, where haven't I been? Um, <laughs> True. Um, look, I, I think a nurse out wherever is interesting at the time. And that's what I, I really love about the variety we have in our, uh, well, in our country, but even in our profession, like, you know, I've been in rural um, uh, Queensland working, you know, as a don, 
I've been in remote Queensland working as an educator. I've been in uh, overseas as a clinician. Like it's just, it's awesome how varied you can have a career and still not leave the profession. And that's certainly been when you look at my CV, it's like, oh, she gets bored quickly, quick, next. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess you're absolutely right. That's the beauty of of nursing and, you know, particularly once you've got, you know, those skills under your belt, you can, you really can go anywhere and whether it's rural and remote or whether it's international nursing, it's, it's all the same um, ethos and care of caring for the patient. So yeah, it's really one of those special careers. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think, you know, I guess what keeps me really in education is that, um, you get to help so many people realize their journeys and their dreams and that's fun, which is really cool. Yeah. 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 Inspiring them to, to chase their dreams. Yeah, yeah, and facilitating that, you know, it's it's nice and it's really, it's really, can I tell you a story? Go on. Oh, no, I've got stories already. Okay, go on, <laughs> tell me. So I went to um, Mount Isa for the first time. I will leave names out of it, but I'll, I'll name the place. So I went okay. to Mount Isa for the first time and um, I thought, I know no one here, never been here before. Oh, hang on, I do know someone in town, but you know, I had planned to catch up with her and she had been an old friend of the family. But I'd never been in town before and I was there at the very beginning of the Rural and Remote Project with RSQ. And um, I'd said to my colleague, I don't know anyone in town, you know, and he had lived and worked in Mount Isa and he said, oh, it's all right, you know, I know people, we'll go out after work and just socialise. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Walk into the hospital and the nurse educator goes, oh, my God, Pauline, it is you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he said, oh, I'm the nurse educator and you taught me in third year in my undergrad degree at QUT. I'm like, you do look familiar. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so really cool. And then um, that night I went to see my friend and, and my colleague went out to Buffs. If anyone's been to Mount Isa, Buffs have really great chicken palmies. And, um, Noted, chicken palmy at the bus, right? Chicken palmy at bus. Anyway, so uh, he, he, and I was coming home from that and he said, I'll oh, come in and, you know, you can meet a friend of mine here. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I walk in there and I know the person he's catching up with <laughs> because he fly, yeah, he's, um, you know, uh, a colleague's friend's husband. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And my, my friend said to me, oh, I thought you didn't know anyone. I said, really, I don't. This is it, right? So then we go to uh, Dajara and Camawil and then we end up in Cloncurry and there's the num at Cloncurry and we're like, gee, I know you from somewhere. <laughs> and that said we had gone to uni together. So yeah. that was really, really cool. And poor, my poor colleague's going, I don't believe anything you tell me about not knowing people <laughs> next time we go somewhere. So it anyway. becomes such a small world. The more the more you travel, you know, remote really becomes so connected. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> wow. wow. So what what sparked your interest in working in rural and remote? Where did that um you know where did that come from? Uh, probably a few places. I grew up in a small town, um, so I grew up in Innisfail, which you know um, wasn't wasn't western but it was rural and I and I grew up on property there so um that was okay wasn't a city girl 
um, I went to uni and then I got, um, I got two graduate positions. I got three, but the two I was seriously considering, one was in Normanton and the other was in Air. And um, I had, uh, had found a fella and so he lived in Townsville. And so I took Air because Air was, you know, travelling distance to Townsville. Um, and that's always been a little bit of a regret for me because I did my... Um, I did my final clinical placement in Normanton when I um, was going through uni and I had a, a rural scholarship and I just had the best time. I loved the nursing and I loved the variety, I guess, and just the fact that um, people in town were um, really welcoming and really interested in you and, and it was just really nice. Anyway, so I ended up going to AIR instead and... Um, while that wasn't as small town, it was quite a busy little place, um, I had a great time there too. And, and I think I got a lot of variety, more than the other grad nurses who started with me because I was one of the few nurses who didn't get sick in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> and so, so I would get all the transfers to Townsville um, pretty early on, uh, which was interesting because, you know, we took some really unwell patients up there and certainly not something you'd do to a grad these, <laughs> these days. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so my first, um, my first eight months was at, at AIR and I just really, I guess the variety, we had everything from a very small theatre that we scrubbed and scouted in to the ED to a paediatric bay to um, a CCU type high dependency area and then you know everything in between so I guess that really set my love for being having having a bit of everything and you know um, knowing people and knowing who you were looking after not that I was really well set up in the community but you did get to know people who were um, frequent users of the service so I guess really that's where that's come from for me. And then, um, you know, it's, uh, I like I like variety. And, and from there I went into emergency care and, um, you know, that sort of goes hand in hand with what I was experiencing in rural. Yeah, right. Wow, that's really, that's really interesting. And, you know, to, to go as a grad, you know, to have that exposure to a bit of everything, um, you know, really just, just sets the foundations really nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had, I had my best friend. She went to, I had two best friends. One went to the um, orthopaedic ward and one went to the paediatric ward in town school and they got really deep knowledge of their area in that year, whereas I felt more spread across the top. But man, I could really manage just about anything that was going to happen and show up. And so I, I thought it was a really interesting um, difference in our experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So you, you've shared a story with us already, so I'm going to have to ask for more. Um, you know, and <laughs> as you know, we're bound by patient confidentiality mm -hmm. with the Australian um, Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia. So yeah. just keeping that in mind. Um, yeah. But can, can you tell us a story of, you know, one of your most fond memories or a funny tale of your times working in remote? Oh, oh, can I tell you about the very first time I was so worried in 
in a rural area and then I'll tell, I can tell you a different story but I will never forget this this patient we had and um, we were um, in the small hospital in um, and I won't say where but we were in a small hospital and it was uh, all along the ground floor was all the acute care rooms and this gentleman was he was such a lovely man very very tall and so nice but he'd had um, he'd had some uh, terminal tumors um and he was basically in palliation and we were providing some um care for him uh in the hospital because he'd become unwell and you know basically we weren't actively treating we were um managing a whole heap of pain for him anyway lovely guy lovely wife she would be up there every night and um you know looking after him and and it was just really nice to be a, a part of that but one night I was on night shift and uh, I'm looking for him. He's not in his room. I look in the ensuite bathroom. It's not in the ensuite bathroom. So I go down to where patients can make their own cup of tea. Not there. Went into the staff toilets because at that time, you know, there was no separation from staff and, and public toilets. And not there. I went and spoke to the other nurse I was with and I said, I can't find him. Where's he gone? And uh, we were just completely freaking out. And uh, we went and checked his room again. And uh, his window was open and he climbed out the window and walked home. And we got a phone call from his wife about 10 minutes after we'd found that he'd left the hospital room and said, oh, he's just arrived. Are you okay, girls? And we're like, ah, we have to ring the matron. that was the worst part having to ring the matron (laughs) you know like and she was she was uh very good to us matron but man I have never been so scared in my life (laughs) and just so worried for him and it was just like I will never ever forget him as as a patient he just wanted to go home he he didn't like our brand of tea to have his favorite tea thank you very much yeah so he had you know he had some cognition changes and um you know uh logic didn't necessarily always follow post lots of morphine and you know so it was always it was just it was just such an interesting uh thing to go holy crap i lost the patient (laughs) we found him and he was safe and well we found him. He was safe and well. He was happy to come back as long as his wife gave him some tea bags to bring back with him. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. Well, is, that's, you know, patient-centred care 101, isn't it? Really? That's beautiful. <laughs> bring the right tea bags, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that flows on nicely to the next question I was going to ask you is what are some of the things that you miss when you work remote? Like clearly tea bags would be one of them, but what are some of the things that you might miss when you're working in a remote area? This is going to sound really bad, but buying a bra when I need one, like, okay, so unfortunately I can't buy a bra from Target you know, like the girls just don't fit. So I have to get the right one. And that meant that when I was um, out in Central West, the the nearest bra shop that had catered to me was um, 
well, sometimes three hours, but if they were out, then it would be a seven-hour drive um, to be able to buy a bra. Oh, <laughs> so that's yeah. one thing. Yep. Sometimes I think being able to just go to the dentist or maybe buy clothes that not everyone else in town is wearing, you know, just yeah. basic stuff like that. Although I must say with the online um, shopping, that's, you know, not such a big deal these days. But being able to go to the dentist just because you got a sore tooth and it's not terrible, you know, you're just going to try and fit it in. Yeah, that doesn't work in some places. You've got to plan that out along with, your, you know, get your tax done, get your teeth done. It's like the you have this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the, the best hairdresser out west. Like it was, she we was do. awesome. And yeah, yeah so, um, so for me it was those sorts of things. And, of course, that depends where you live and how far away from stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm based out here at Longreach in central Queensland and um, or central western Queensland, and we've recently just lost our target. So you couldn't even go there to buy a bra. So, you know, it makes it very difficult. You know what I buy every time I come to Longreach? What is it? Shoes. You have the best best shoe shoe store. In, well, you know, I'd say probably in most of Queensland. I'd have to agree. And I've got big feet and she caters for big feet. So, yeah, she's very popular. I have, like, three of my most favourite pairs of shoes I've ever bought have been from that shop in town. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Great. (laughs) Um, So, look, you and I both know that living and working in a rural and remote area is is obviously very rewarding, but it can be incredibly challenging as well. how do you care for yourself and your mental health if you're working in a remote area? Yeah, I think there's a few things that I really noticed I had to keep on top of. Um, one of them was, uh, well, first of all, I restructured the call roster <laughs> as soon as yep. I started. Um, I felt that, you know, being... Uh, the director of nursing on management call every night and day and then on clinical calls six nights out of seven um, with lots of nighttime call-outs meant that I actually couldn't be effective in either role. (laughs) And so, you know, just making sure that actually is is what uh, I'm being asked to do at the level I'm being asked to do, is that actually feasible? Um, And so... I felt that it wasn't in the situation um, that I was in. And so I think being willing to have a voice about what is okay and, and what could be done to make things better. And you know, that doesn't always work because, you know, it doesn't take a lot for your resources to get very thin um, in, in a rural space. And that makes you have to be more innovative and consider, you know, I don't have an endless bucket of money. We can't just forever be dipping in and saying we just need more, more, more. You have to do think about how you could do things differently. So that's the first thing about being able to um, do that. And I guess part of that is having the psychological safety with the people around you to be able to do that. Um, And, you know, a lot of that depends, I think, on how you set expectations with your colleagues and why you want to do what you want to do. So I think having that sort of situation set up saying, you know, is, is what I'm doing actually reasonable and feasible and I'm really not trying to be superwoman. And, 
actually um, have a family life and all that sort of stuff. So get the work stuff sorted. Um, and then I found for me being in a small community that being a part of the community was important. So I did things like we joined Pony Club. <laughs> I yep. went to, you know, every single town event, the goat races and, you know, whatever radio was on in town and all the rest of it. So we went to everything um, and became a part of the community. And what that meant was you felt like you were connected and you had an identity with others and that um, you didn't feel so isolated. Because, you know, being, and I think that's particularly important when you are in, a, in an executive role, like a director of nursing, or maybe you are in a single nurse post or something like, you are part of something bigger and you're not on your own. And there are people who will help you or, you know, just even if it means um, taking your dog for a walk because you've been on night shift or, you know, like just stuff that they don't have to be healthcare professionals to be on your side and be helping you. So I think being part of the community is really important. Um, and that, of course, helps build trust and all those sorts of things. But basically it's just fun because it's really interesting seeing how people are in sometimes in a professional environment or they'll present themselves to you one way as a patient and, um, and then you'll see a whole different side of them when, you know, they're on the back of a goat and they're doing the goat <laughs> run. <laughs> so, so I think that's really, really interesting and, and really rewarding to see uh, the full, you know, well, many more sides of people than just maybe two-dimensional sides when you are in a, a bigger environment. Um, so being part of the community. And I then did things like, um, I would seek out stuff that made me feel good. So I would go and paint on the riverbank. I'd go to art workshops and, you know, I'd enter the local art competitions. Um, I went so far as to buy a horse or two and start competing in stuff, fell off, you know, broke a shoulder, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, you really so got I involved. <laughs> I really did. I really got my fingers in, in and my teeth as well. Um, so I think those sorts of things, are being able to recharge my batteries, be a part of something bigger <clears throat> and really to schedule some breaks and to set them up ahead of time. So I think part of, part of my wanting to re-sort our call schedule and that sort of thing was so that, you know what, if I did need to go to Emerald or Rockhampton or Brisbane or whatever it is I needed to go and do to go to the dentist, buy a bra, whatever, <laughs> that I could actually get it done and um, that it was something I could look forward to and it wasn't going to be a big shock and horror of trying to cover that and, uh, and that meant I had to build capability and people around me to step up into my role, you know, and not just let it all be on my shoulders. Um, we're a healthcare team in those environments and not the healthcare hero on your own. Um, and that's really important. Um, and that meant that it just felt like I was doing something important, but it was doable and, man, I had some fun. I've still got really great friends out there um, in Barky and Surrounds um, and probably why I'm talking to you today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, 
Yeah, so I just I think they're really important. I think I think the other thing in a small community is um, you really need someone that you can speak to confidentially. You know, confidentiality in small towns is sketchy at best. I used to love those times you'd go down to IGA and, and someone would rock up to you and say, hey, how's Mr Smith going? And you go, yeah, I'd really love to talk to you about that, but I just can't today. They go, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to talk about it. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, um, but sometimes, you, you know, if you do have something really um, troubling you, you can't expect the staff around you just to soak that up you know, because they're part of that landscape. And so I always used to make sure I'd have someone who could be my vault and be um, help me find my voice of reason sometimes. You know, you get so sucked into the situation that sometimes you actually can't see outside of it and you need that validation, maybe that checking of, hey, am I actually, is this, how does this sound to you? And even when you're just talking it out loud, sometimes that's all you need is, to know that someone's not going to judge you for feeling overwhelmed because you're the boss and you're the, the highest person there. And so that's why you need someone outside of your team. But, you know, someone who's willing to say, hey, don't you think you're being a bit, you know, ridiculous or touchy or whatever it is about that situation? Or, you know, um, are you feeling hormonal today? Maybe you need a big drink of water. <laughs> so having people that I could trust, um, and, you know, still keep things confidential, don't tell names, but to talk about what was troubling me so that I could figure out my next move. So sometimes that was a business mentor. Like I did um, the clinician business development program that Queensland Health was running at the time and I ended up with a, um, a business mentor who had nothing to do with health and that was awesome because she didn't buy into the mindset um, and all of the um, restrictions that people sort of take for granted um, and validate your restrictions uh, in thinking about some of the problems that we used to have and um, I'm sure are still out there um, in management land. But um, so I, I found that was really refreshing, having a, a number of different people for different things that I would talk to that had no skin in the game no biases around what I was telling them and really not afraid to say, oh, my God, Kalija, can you hear what you're saying? Um, come on, <laughs> let's think about this a little bit less dramatically. Yeah, that, and I think that's something really, you know, really valuable to have that ability to debrief and unwind um, and not have someone who, you know, who's going through the same, or they might be, um, you know, in a separate location going through the same thing yeah. and be able to say, yeah. well, actually, this is how we deal with it or yeah. whatever. Um, or maybe they can just, as you say, just call you on it and go, actually, no, nah. wake up to yourself. <laughs> Give yourself an uppercut. Let's move on sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, look, I think it is important. And, I mean, I had lots of people um, within the same health service and we would support each other and that was really useful at the same level. Um, to go, well, oh, okay, we have to do X, Y, Z. How the heck am I going to do that? What are you thinking? Just like do the brainstorming and that was great. But, you know, sometimes it was really important not to involve those people in dramas that would embroil them in yeah. carry on either. You know, yeah. like sometimes you've got to protect your friends yeah. um, and, and, and not bring them into that sort of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So... 
you touched on it a little bit. You've talked about doing a bit of painting and stuff. So how do you feel in your downtime? What do you do on your days off? Oh, well, I did, um, oh, my poor daughter. I uprooted <laughs> her <laughs> halfway through grade 10 and took her out west. So we had come from Brisbane. And um, uh, so, you know, some of my time, uh, downtime was about spending time with her we would go riding, um, we'd go and visit people when she was getting a licence. You know, we would drive on all sorts of roads, um, as you do, and you just get your licence hours up really quick in the West. <laughs> it's <laughs> a long way to everywhere. Away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like for me it was like, well, am I, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a bit of an achievement idiot I think sometimes is the right term for it um, you know I was doing my PhD when I was out there as well um, and so some of my downtime was filled with writing that up and publishing out of that and um, finishing off the requirements of that degree um, while I was out there I did other <laughs> education you know like all of the all of the MET courses and all those sorts of things um, and so sometimes that was on my own time. Uh, well, often all my PhD was on my own time, really. Um, but definitely painting, riding horses, going to whatever events, you know, my sister would say, hey, this is on, can we go? And we'd, we'd travel two and a half hours to go to something that we might stay at for like an hour and a half. But, man, it was great because we got to see um, – other towns that were small and you know like small towns the news agents there they're the best gift shops yeah true. so you know so we'd always go and check out the, <laughs> the news agent in the little towns and man we'd come home with some great stuff um yeah so taking photos so that I could paint at home and um yeah and I actually took some commissions for artworks when I was out there and and um painted a few people's prized Brahmin bulls and Santa Gertrudis bulls. Okay. Um, so, yeah, did a bit of that. Um, but, yeah, get around, have a look at the countryside, go for a swim somewhere if uh, there was water. Um, yeah, just generally socialise. Yeah. yeah, nice. So so what are your top three tips for someone who might be thinking whether they should or shouldn't, you know, join the rural and remote nursing workforce? Um, okay, I have biases here, Danielle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, look, I think for me, one of the reasons I really enjoyed myself and I felt very comfortable was that I'd had quite a broad base in emergency care before I came out. You know, even when I started uh, in air as a, as a graduate, like we um, worked in emergency there. So I think when I used to see nurses come out that would come out for the first time to rural and remote, usually the biggest thing that would be difficult for them was about dealing with the undiagnosed patient. So, okay, triaging, yeah, we sort of triage out west, but not really. We don't have 15 people waiting and we have to decide who's going to be seen first. Not really. Um, but what do I do next? <laughs> it's 3 a.m., the doctor's been called four times already tonight. Do I wake him up again? Is this something that is urgent enough? Is my assessment skills actually showing me the right things? Am I missing something? And so I think for me, the tip would be, if you haven't got emergency experience, 
make sure you um, at least do an emergency training program. There's plenty out there in Australia that are really good at even preparing you to assess the undiagnosed patient and look for those things that's going to make um, things really stressful for you in the next 15 to 20 minutes um, so that you can actually get help um, as you need it. So for me, first tip, if you don't have emergency skills, get some or take a course. Yep. Um, yep. That's the first thing. Uh, I think the other thing I used to see and I, I was really glad um, that I had was lots of varied interests. And so I'd see some people come out and the only thing they were interested in was shopping or they didn't have any hobbies or, you know, like they just didn't have anything to do with themselves outside of being at work. And so they'd either pick up all the shifts and then leave because they'd be burnt out, not a part of the community and, you know, and, and perhaps putting themselves and their registration at risk because they aren't taking care of themselves. And so if you are thinking of coming out, maybe bring stuff with you that you can do. Or if you've always wished you could do X, Y, and Z, man, you can do anything online these days. Um, you know, you can learn how to be a creative writer with masterclass. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. But bring stuff with you or at least be prepared to try something different and new. And at the very least, have a look around and see what other people do in their downtime and be a part of that. Even if it's not something you're going to do for the rest of your life, you know, there needs to be something that fills that hole for you. Yep. And um, I think the other thing is think about why and what will the opportunity give you. And for some people, it's a great social life. And if that's what floats their boat, that's great. Um, for some people, it will be that, oh, I just want to feel like I'm making a difference and that I know the town I'm living in. And for other people, it's like, I want to go and work in London. And, you know, this experience will help me do that. And you know what? That's great. But know why you're out there and not just for what you get in your payslip because you get that anywhere that you are. Yeah. Um, but if, if you don't know your why and what the opportunity can give you, can be easy to get caught up in the the social um, carry-ons that happen in small teams. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a that's a really valid point. You know, to to understand why why you're going or why you're here um, is will really influence how how you see it and whether you mm. achieve your outcome. You know, if yeah. you understand what you what you want to get out of it, then you'll drive towards that. So yeah, yeah I think definitely. that's a really good tip. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Well, thank you, Pauline. Thank you for your time. Um, it's been great chatting to you. I'd love to chat with you some more about um, about your work and your research, and um, perhaps we might um, we might come back to that in a in another episode if you'd be willing. Yeah, sure. Um, can you tell that I have trouble talking? No. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. <laughs> I'd love to, Danielle. I really, I'm very passionate about rural and remote. And insofar as, you know, as, as an academic, I could really go anywhere in my research journey, but I think rural and remote needs to be represented there and that's where I'm going. So I'm driving my car in that direction. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Great. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can talk to you about that um, sometime soon. Great. Thanks very much, Danielle. Thank you.
If this has sparked your interest and you would like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching at anurseoutwear. Remember to like, subscribe and share them with your friends.